0: I'm them I'm them I'm them now Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, senores y senoritas, bienvenidos. Welcome to another episode of Kickin' Grass. I am Josh Jackson, a longtime podcaster,
1: longtime friend of Dave Walding here. And I'm Dave Walding, your host as usual welcoming josh jackson no my first name
0: ain't baby it's josh it's jackson thanks so much for having me i love talking soccer it's been a long time since i've talked soccer cheers salute with you we are here at the radio beer and coffee house down in south austin yeah Yeah.
1: here on manchaca people who haven't checked it out i'd say come by and see it's near lamar on Menchaca close to Ben White. We've still been having some sunny days here in Austin, Texas
0: towards the end of the summer, but we've had some beautiful rain. The trees and the grass, everything's loving
1: it. And what do you do when you're kicking grass? You need some green verde grass, baby. (laughs) That's it, it was six weeks of drought, which really took a toll on our field, our Lobos practice field, so uh, we're very grateful for this rain spurt in the last couple of days. I really feel for guys like Weston Applefeller, who's trying to keep up with the Austin FC
0: field. It's supposed to be the same grass that we're going to see in Qatar at the World Cup, this, this
1: Platinum wow. palsadium, We're going to see this in Qatar too, and this, the grass in Austin FC, I've been very impressed. Yeah, it's been great this season. I think it started out a little bit shaky the first few weeks of the season last year when they opened up the stadium, but this year I've got no complaints. The pitch has been beautiful. Everything's been beautiful. Austin FC has broken records.
0: They have currently, and this is one of the best stats, the longest-running MLS streak of sellouts. That's true. It's amazing. I mean, it's not 40,000, 50,000 people. It's it's a
1: modest 20,000, 21,000. I don't remember the exact number. I do. It's twenty thousand seven hundred and thirty-eight. That's impressive. This guy, (laughs)
0: Dave Welding, soccer genius, soccer encyclopedia. And that's what we're here to talk about. There's there's been a lot that's happened since the start of the season, and lots of things have surprised me about Austin FC this season versus Austin FC last season. And I know we don't, you know, we, we talk a lot about Texas soccer on this podcast. There's lots of surprising things even down south there in San Antonio. We have got two, not just one, but two Copa
1: Tejas trophies among the hour, hour and a half drive. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get in some SAFC talk and uh, shout out to Harry Austin. Uh, Maybe we can get him in one day to talk about the run that San Antonio FC's on. But um, I'm going to let you, as our guest host today, drive the ship and you tell me where we're going. I would love to drive the ship.
0: And let's just, let's take a little flight not only are we are we having a couple of brews I'm having the meanwhile this is a blue corn lager yes from, and Meanwhile's down south Austin beautiful place I think the brewers out of Portland and Portland know their soccer they know their beer they also have a soccer field at their brewery it's that's another awesome place that's what I'm having today what about you
1: yeah I've got the 512 another Austin local brew uh, pecan porter today uh, I go for the dark beers when we're talking soccer, so I, I went with the Pecan Porter and can't go wrong. Cheers to us! Cheers to football! Cheers to you guys listening! Thanks for joining us.
0: I want to start with FC Dallas. Wow. Okay. FC Dallas. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start in Oklahoma, shall we? Let's start. Let's start in Frisco, <laughs> South Texas. Oklahoma. Uh, we, Clinton Dempsey has been inducted to the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Sure. Um, that's up there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place. I haven't been since uh, since it's opened. I was I got a little sneak preview. Some amazing things um, are in that uh, Texas Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it, oh, so, sorry, it's not just the Texas Hall of Fame. We're trying to fill it with Texans, with <laughs> Dempsey and everybody, and hopefully get some Austin FC players in there someday, maybe 50 years down the road. I'm loving that all these ex MLS players are joining the the. The Hall of Fame And it, I love it That it's just up the road And it's not in some warehouse In Anyana, New York I love that There's physicality That's here in Texas I think I think Dallas does drive A little bit of that
1: Now They need to Fill it up with some fans Well I was going to say They had to do something With the empty stadium They had to put something in there <laughs> So might as well Put a soccer Hall of Fame
0: And, and, and Jordan Buchholz who's, who's Been around Austin I think he's from Austin He's running the show up there At the At the Hall of Fame Does a great job do you think it's because they're roasting and toasting in the sun? Do you think it's because they have... kind of, It really is an MLS 1.0, maybe 2.0 stadium. It's it's not like an erector set like old
1: Columbus Crew Stadium was. No, 1.0 was the Cotton Bowl. Okay. So I was a... I don't know if you knew this, but I was a season ticket holder for the Dallas Burn. I knew that. The Cotton Bowl, did you? I remember uh, those days. They had like partial season packs where you could get like 8-game or 12-game and go up... For part of the season so I did that so I'm very familiar with FC Dallas slash Dallas Burn. I was one of these disgruntled on my way out FC Dallas fans when we were fortunate enough to get Austin FC here so it made that switch really really easy because I was really frustrated and fed up with that franchise location is to me the biggest part and it's it's Frisco you've been to Frisco even people in Dallas don't even want to
0: drive up to Frisco correct yes And Frisco's really filled up. I used to go to those games when it was Pizza Hut Park. I had never seen USA play. I'm from a very rural town, and when I moved to Austin, mid-2000s, heard that they were playing, not only down in San Antonio, because the Alamo Dome would host some international games. I got to see Mexico, Guatemala, and then USA, women and men, were playing at Pizza Hut Park in Frisco. Back when everything was just a parking lot out there, and there was just grassy fields. Yeah, it was a strip mall with uh, a stadium. But it was a great opportunity to see high-class High level, yeah, soccer absolutely. One of my favorite players all time of FC Dallas was Ariel Graziani. Absolutely, they had <laughs> Dallas had some great
1: players in their time, true, but um, I don't want to say it's just the location. There's a lot of things that go into why Frisco has struggled, uh, FC Dallas has struggled. Um, location is definitely, I think, the biggest factor, but. They don't promote like they should Um, as a club. I think not having an actual owner for a lot of their existence was a big problem. It was a league-owned team and run kind of like a league-owned team. Um, But also, like, my frustration with the team was when they were good, when they did have those good players, it's the fire sale a month before the playoffs. Every year after year after year after year, it was like clockwork. You could predict it. It was first in the league or second in the league, and then let's sell our best players and make that money and then not reinvest the money into the club. They claim they're reinvesting into the club this year. I think you've seen a little bit different perspective this year from FC Dallas than we have in years past. Um, I'm not ready to say they've turned the page and made that change yet, but we'll see if they do. I mean, they have purchased some U.S. national teamers such as they are. Your favorite, Paul Ariola, right? Yeah. Well, And let me be clear. I think Paul Ariola is a perfectly fine MLS player. Um, but my problem with him has been the shoehorning into the U.S. men's national team. Oh, no, no. I'm going to have to fight you on this one, Dave. Oh,
0: are you? I was down, not this, not this past qualifying cycle, the last qualifying cycle that USA bombed out in. Yes. But before they got to the bomb out stage... They played Mexico down there in a 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. Michael Bradley scores this worldie mm-hmm. from 40, 50 yards out. Paul Ariella played the right wing that day. And he got he got jacked just like Palusic did in that game. But yep. I think he played better than Palusic. And he's been a stalwart. He's kind of like, uh, like a second-tier USA player, but he always shows it.
1: And you've seen that with FC Dallas. He scored some amazing goals. He scored against Austin FC. Right, but that's the point. You saw the U.S. men's national team game here in... Q2 Stadium against Jamaica, right? Yeah. And he was the starter. Yeah. And he was god-awful in that game. He was just absolutely terrible and did not look at the level of even some of the better Jamaican players. And that's kind of the problem with Paul Ariola is he would be fine to have as an option off the bench late in games to come on and give you some energy and some fight and some grit and some attacking... Maybe fresh leg power at the end of a game, but it's the problem of having him as a starter. Paul Arriola is not the starter. That's my problem with Paul Arriola and the men's national. He's got style.
0: He's got panache. He's got a finishing touch. And FC Dallas, <laughs> you talk about reinvestment because yeah, MLS is a weird league. We're we're backwards from all the European leagues. The transfer season happens right before the playoffs. And FC Dallas has done that, where they've sold their best player right before the playoffs. And then you go bombing out the playoffs. Dallas has done that. And they haven't reinvested the money. And the Hunts have won Super Bowl. And they haven't reinvested the money. But they always have United States national
1: team players... That come up through the ranks. They've got all the soccer fields out there in Frisco. Correct. They've got, in my opinion, the absolute indisputable best academy system in the United States. And they always draw for the,
0: what is it, the Dallas Cup? Yeah. The youth tournament. Right. Ajax comes over, has come over, uh, Manchester United, uh, Chivas, yes. uh, Club America, they all come over, they convene, all these kids are in the same place at the same time, and these are kids that might, yeah, yeah if they go play pro, they're going to see each other someday when they're in their 20s and 30s, and remember that moment, and be like, oh hey, we made it, yeah. and that—that's that's one of those early moments for some of those players, now, is a player that's growing up in Milan, Italy, oh yeah, let's go to Frisco, Texas, and let's go play, you know, <laughs> do they think that's going to be their start? Probably not. And it's it's a very it's a very different place to to make that happen. Maybe Austin can be that someday. I mean, like I said, we have a we have kind of a, a modest setup here in Austin. It's still better than nothing because before we could never host anything. We talked right. about Pizza Hut Park hosting right. USA national teams, men and women. Now Austin's hosting USA. Absolutely. You talked about the Jamaica game, the Qatar game. The yep. women have come here. The gold first cup. The, the gold cup. The, yep. the USA women has scored the first goal. Kristen Press, first goal ever scored in Q2 Stadium. Yeah. How awesome is that to have a national teams representing? And Absolutely. maybe someday we'll have Mexico come up because we all know Mexico loves to play all
1: their all their uh, juegos moleros yeah. in the United States when they're not playing qualifiers. My maybe. concern there is that it's not going to be big enough for Mexico national team. Right. So that's the only kind of let's tap the brakes a little bit on that because I think Mexico will always opt for Houston or. Dallas or San Antonio over Q2 State. So Dallas. Yeah.
0: Dallas has always had Austin's number. Austin has never beat them. True. But Austin tied them. True. And won a cup in their stadium. In their stadium. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a great uh, this became a talking point because the Copa Tejas was there and it's, it's, it's the guys down in San Antonio that started the, the Copa Tejas. Yeah. Um, awesome tradition. This is like Cascadia Cup. On a, on a much bigger level, right? Texas is Absolutely. like uh, it's a, like a whole other country. <laughs> so when we had the original USL Copa Tejas, you had San Antonio FC. Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't happen when there were the Scorpions, right? This is a more recent tournament, but this is a more recent cup. I don't believe they had... No, it was
1: post-Scorpions, it but was... I think it was still Aztecs. Right. Okay. So it was yep. SAFC, Austin Aztecs. Mm-hmm. And then when the Bold came back in... The Bold, and RGB was...
0: Rio Grande Valley, yeah. we're in. El Paso had started up the same year as the Bold did, so
1: they came in. Right. And you had... Did you have did you have Dallas North representation? Did you have anyone from up north? No, the Dallas team is a USL1 team, USL1. so they weren't. Yeah. Uh, north Texas were not included in the Copa
0: Texas. Which, Which is very interesting, because that trophy's always going to have... sorry Rob if you're listening I'm sure Rob's listening I'm sure Rob's listening Um, I wasn't a huge fan of just the way that the bold came back about you know I I just wish the ownership of the bold would have kept the fans in the loop like hey guys we're really working on something we're working on bringing what what you guys as Aztecs fans love, we're bringing it back. You know, we're bringing it back. We want you part of this. No, they just they just threw they just threw a dart in the board and said, you guys come, you guys come back. Yeah. And there was no excitement in the off years, and all it was marketing this whole new team was to anti-market MLS. Right. They could have played ball and could have said, you know what, we want you
1: all out here. Initially. Now I think they did change that up toward the Maybe. middle of their first season. Um, after yeah, they had scorned thousands of fans potentially,
0: right? Especially but, with the whole city council thing, the political action committees, and right. what we can track probably at least a quarter million dollars going into right. uh, uh, you know politics that were trying to kill the stadium deal for MLS. I and mean, there's a lot more going into that. I think, I think, I think honestly, the ownership had a play on McCalla
1: Place way early on. They certainly looked into it. So I'm not sure that they were. Really interested in that, but they certainly made a inquiry into that possibility of McAlla Bobby, Bobby Epstein already had the racetrack. I think right. that was probably tailor-made for him. He wanted everything out there, right? Right. I'm, I'm sure that's more beneficial to him than purchasing a, a place up at McAlla and having to pay up there. And like, as much as I didn't want to give
0: a whole lot of money mm-hmm. to the to the bolt, I went to a few games. when when El Paso was in town, you know, because I wanted to, to welcome the El Paso fans and connect with them and
1: stuff. It's not a, it wasn't a bad setup. No, it was a beautiful, small stadium for what it was in the time that they got it done. It was very, very well done.
0: It looked good on the broadcast. You had guys like like Lincoln Rose on the on the on the on the on the on the radio and during sure. the broadcast. And so they had good talent.
1: Yeah, the facilities were good. The team was acceptably good. The beer was a lot cheaper than a Macalla place at Q2 Stadium. Let so me tell you, any beer is almost <laughs> cheaper than Q2, but that's a different eighteen-dollar electric
0: jellyfish. Or... I stay away from that. I stay <laughs> away from that. I stay away. So, are we done with Dallas?
1: Uh, Did Dallas have a chance this season? Oh, absolutely, I think they do. So, yeah, absolutely, I think they do. I think um, if I were to project out, I mean, Dallas is currently third. So, right now you've got LAFC solidly first. Austin is pretty solidly second. Dallas is solidly third. I think those are your top three teams in the West. And it boils down to if you project out, we're on a path for a Austin FC versus Dallas Western Conference semifinal. Tasty. Right? Um, I am an Austin FC fan, but if you were to ask me today who I give the edge to in that game, it's going to be FC Dallas. So I don't see how I could possibly say that they don't have a chance because I think they have the inside track to MLS semifinals right now if I were to project out the way I think things are going to play out. On the table... FC Dallas have 42 points mm-hmm. and
0: we're recording this in mid-August so we have right. 8 games to go pretty much right FC Dallas are sitting on 42 points Austin are a little bit ahead of them Yeah. 48 points LAFC 57 points a commanding lead there they'll have to do a lot to give up that first place right FC Dallas in all regards they've got a they've got an 8 goal goal difference compared to Austin's 19 LAFC's 29 and FC Dallas are kind of kind of right there in the next pack of teams, 4, 5, 6, and they're all sitting in the 30s. It's going to be a dogfight among those teams. Yeah, but they've been solidly third for quite some time. I don't I don't see them falling down out of that seventh place. You just have to no. be in the top seven to get to the playoffs. Right. No,
1: I, I I, project them out to be third or fourth. If they end up third, um, I wouldn't put it past them to jump up in pass Austin Still and get that second spot. Ooh. I really do like what Luchi Gonzalez has done this year with Dallas and I do think that they have the firepower um, and the coaching to hang in a game with Austin FC uh, right now. So I don't want to date the podcast but as yeah. we're as we are speaking Nashville have a 3-0 lead FC Dallas well, right now. This, I is, think, this is in Nashville. Right. I think Nashville is probably going to be one of those playoff teams too.
0: And there's a few teams. I mean, Austin FC still have some breathing room too. Sure. They just, they're just coming off of a kind of a weird run of, of play. And, and Q2 Stadium is not a fortress like they really want it to be. Austin FC has had a really good away performance this year. And I think it's it's this team, you haven't seen this amount of chemistry last year as you do this year. And I think it's it's the Argentines and the Uruguayans, they're all sipping mate doing YouTube videos. It's that chemistry that you see. When they go on the road, they don't have the distractions of walking into the stadium dressed in Dior and Louis Vuitton. They're out there. They know what's up. It's business then. And when they're here, they're they're at the lake with the boys. They're out there barbecuing. Thanks to Maxi Urruti, Dallas, you know, uh, Houston put. Dallas, but, Houston, but, Austin. I right? think I think Maxi Ruti's really been that guy. Who, I, what first guy ever to score for three clubs? Yeah. How He's, cool is that? He's been the linchpin. He's been that guy that's really
1: brought that chemistry in and, and, and made the team gel differently. Maxi Ruti, I love, I love, love, love Maxi. Um, as a person and as a player, I don't necessarily like exactly how he fits into our system. Okay. But he is an absolute cut up joker type person I mean he's infectious in his positivity and his zaniness and I think that was something that was needed in Austin FC this season I think he's really brought something that we were lacking I think the locker room last season
0: got a little stale yeah it's the same old same old and what are you gonna say when the team's losing what you, oh yeah hey, let's just do a little bit better next time and Josh Wolf, he always said he's gonna try to learn Spanish and I don't I don't know how he you know, it's, he was scouting CONCACAT for the longest time beforehand. And honestly, this, this is big props for, for the Austin FC ownership because they, they hired Clyde Arena way far out. They hired Josh Wolf way far out before they even got their first players. And I'm also, kind of stunned that he doesn't speak Spanish. I worry, he, might, he might speak a little bit. I'm sure he knows the cuss words. I'm sure he knows exactly what he needs to know. But there's, there's so much that's lost in translation. Right. And, and Davey Arnaud, I doubt he speaks a lick of Spanish either. I mean, maybe just what you learn on the field. You know, when you're a soccer player, that's how I learn Spanish. Just you're out there in the field. Whatever you learn in the school, you can you can go out there and test test it out in the field. And we go way back, too, right. in our soccer days. When I first moved here in the mid-2000s, you were still in your soccer playing days with Galaxia yep. out there. Tall center back, if I can remember correctly. That out is there, absolutely true. I heading the ball out. And that was me. Dave Walding's out there sweating it on the field now he's sweating it on the sidelines still doing awesome stuff for the grassroots soccer games um, but yeah Houston Dynamo Houston Dynamo cause Maxi Ruti's oh do we have to I mean, we, we gotta we got, we, we got make guys like Victor Araiza. Houston Dynamo we gotta got, 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 got make these guys have we gotta to touch on Houston Dynamo I mean what, what is it what is it they're getting new seats. They're getting new mesh seats this season. Is that the best thing we can say about the Houston Dynamo know, is they're getting mesh seats? Listen, <laughs> Dallas' Dallas's <laughs> attendance is going up a little bit because they're bringing over players. They're doing the opposite of what they have done. Right. They're actually signing good players. Right, and they women. didn't sell anybody
1: this season. So. Houston
0: Dynamo's got Hector Herrera. He's just come in, and now attendance is rising a
1: little bit. I mean, is he a good player? Sure. Does Has he, he been? help them? I guess he's better than who they've had on the field. But he's not the need of the team. He was a jersey-selling signing, in my opinion. So I don't disagree with that. He, he was brought in to sell jerseys, get some excitement going in the fan base, not necessarily to be the solution on the field to what that team needs. And I just haven't seen that much out of him. I'm, I'm not a big Acha Ache fan in the first place. Just get the ball to Fafa. Puffa Pico's going to run and scroll the goals for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I don't know what to do with that team. That team is... Uh, Houston sides. That's they all said, I can say. Houston sides. Where they sit. 13th out of 14th in the West. <laughs> and I'm shocked they're not 14th. <laughs> Negative 11 goal difference. Well. <laughs> so it's got to be the defense. No. It's also the attack. <laughs> it's pretty much all of the above with Houston. I have nothing positive to say about Houston. You look at Sporting. Sporting
0: just came. They beat Austin FC. I think Houston Dynamo can pull... Pull. Well, they didn't beat Austin FC. It felt like they beat Austin <laughs> FC. So you look at the games they got left. They got <laughs> Minnesota, at Minnesota. They're playing LAFC. Ugh. They got Seattle who you think is going to be a dark horse Oh, absolutely, yeah.
1: I'm, for playoffs. I'm terrified that we're going to get Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> That's... I do not want that matchup. One of the last times I went up to Dallas, to Frisco, oh, yeah. was,
0: and this is this is Clint Dipsy was playing, they went into overtime, playoff game, Clint Dipsy, penalty kicks, Clint Dipsy sinks his, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Seattle advanced out of that. Th-
1: this is typical Seattle. It's they kind of put it on autopilot during the regular season and especially this year because they were involved in that Concacaf Champions run. They are the first ever MLS team to win Concacaf Champions. What? And a round of applause, round of applause, right. round of applause. And they were definitely concentrating the first part of the season on that, right? So, they dropped a lot of points at the beginning of the year that are hurting them now in the standings. But they're a team that's done this before. They sneak into the playoffs in that fifth, sixth, seventh spot, and then they can make a run in the playoffs. So I think that I would put them – I would put Seattle and Nashville as kind of my two current teams that are on that line and maybe just out of the playoffs that would bump somebody and and get a playoff spot. So I think that I don't want to see Seattle – as a playoff matchup for Austin FC. I would be a little bit nervous about that. It was so amazing to see them. This is something that no MLS team has
0: ever done. Yeah. LAFC has gotten to the final and and bombed out. In Toronto. And Toronto has too. Now, they're MLS, but they're not American, right? So, right. you know, they're Canadian. Yeah, 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 But it was so awesome to see Seattle. not a Seattle fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of Seattle culture. I'm a fan of Seattle soccer, soccer culture because they help build what, honestly, Austin has... has even just a fraction emulated, mm-hmm. it's it's teams like Seattle and Portland right. that have brought that culture to MLS, and I think Austin is helping perpetuate that too. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, they had a Seattle had Paulo go out with a knee in that game, um, and and they and they and they still won that game, and yeah, I think that's I think that's built in a little bit to them having a pretty bad run. When your best player goes out, you're gonna have a pretty bad run. Yes, yeah. you're also coming off this this huge high of winning the biggest f- cup you can <laughs> in yeah. this in this region, right. and now you're going to go off and play in the FIFA Club World Cup, right. which is going to... It's a huge, huge honor to be able to play against, like, the Chelsea's and uh, uh, the Real Madrid's of this world. Right. And hopefully... I, I don't know how long he's... Maybe he's coming back in the playoffs. Who knows? But yeah, I would expect him to, but... I would give Seattle a chance. They got, Jordan Morris is looking for a USA
1: spot. Jordan Morris is going to turn up, and, and Rui Diaz is a beast. I mean, he's an absolute stellar player. You always have a chance with row Rui Diaz right. in the field. So,
0: so Houston's not going to beat Seattle, okay? And they got to play Sporting, <laughs> so 12th, 13th place, and they got to play New England, uh, Eastern Conference. They're going to play LSE again, <laughs> and then Nashville, who they're losing to. Oh, uh, sorry, who Dallas is losing to? Sorry. And then um,
1: LA Galaxy, then they, to, they, to they may not them, win a game the entire rest Ooh. of the season. I mean, Houston is that bad. They got okay. star. Could they beat Sporting? Maybe. They maybe could beat Sporting. Okay, sure. Okay. Okay. That's the one I would say they got a shot at. But if I had to pick today, and they've got eight games left, I would say one in seven. Are they firing the coach after the season? Oh boy, um, that's a tough one because they just made the change for this season. Sporting the the director and the coach and they brought in I I can't see them doing that off season. I think they're going to give him okay some time at the beginning of next year. That's what I thought
0: the situation was with Josh, with with Josh Wolf. I thought Josh Wolf had a really short leash. Really? Going going into this season, I think after last season, yeah. He's see, a guy who who's only been an assistant coach with Columbus with the United States national team under Greg Berhalter, I think he knew systems well, but he's going into the season. I only gave him personally half the season. If you can show it after half a season, I was a wolf out. Hashtag wolf in, hashtag wolf out. I was, I was wolf in the whole first season. Yeah, I, I would give him a long leash, but I was just going to give him half of the season. Now, he was smart because he signed his contract before, like early right. in the season to go ahead and lock in it. <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann right. style. I'll go ahead and lock in for the next World Cup, even though I'm, not, I'm probably not going to
1: qualify for the next World Cup, Right. But he's proven us right. Well, this is... Well, Tap the brakes there. This is why I'm so excited <laughs> for this particular podcast, because I've known you forever, and we haven't had the opportunity to really talk Austin FC recently, and I have no idea what you're going to say about Austin FC, so I'm that so actually surprised. surprised me a little bit, and no, I don't think... I disagree, I completely disagree. I don't think Wolf was ever on a short leash. I think he was anointed this season as demonstrated by that early contract signing. I don't think there's anything he could have really done to lose his position early in the season this
0: year. I believe he has such a rapport with Claudio Reyna. And Claudio Reyna's doing a pretty good job of signing players, finding good players. Rigoni just landed in Austin
1: today to a raucous Verde reception at the Fairmont. Absolutely. and I'm so excited to see him play and i don't know that we're going to for a long time because that's josh wolf and i think there is a disconnect there between reina who i agree is making some great signings and wolf who then doesn't really want to play those great signings and i think you see that recently with washington Carosa oh. but it's been a theme throughout, going back to Pochettino, going back to GTA going back... I mean, we can go through the list. Valencia? Have you seen Valencia? Is there a Valencia sighting? I hear crickets. Well, that's thats kind of my point, is that we go through this storm of, wow, there's this great player that Reyna just signed and we're bringing in, and Wolf is like, eh. I collect a lot of those top cards,
0: soccer cards. Uh-huh. I was a baseball cards kid, and so... Getting into soccer cards is kind of natural. I do the Panini sticker books and stuff, too. Tops do these things called Tops Now. Yeah. And you have to buy them, like, the week after the game. Right. And it's always game-specific, which is really cool. And so I have, a, I have a little collection of those. And I was going through those the other day. We already have so many ex-players right. of Austin FC. <laughs> you think right. about... You, you mentioned a few yourself. Beasler. Yeah, Beasler. Yeah.
1: Well, he retired. He I, give, I give him retired. that. I mean... Uh, I guess Stroud's probably on his way out, too. Pretty soon. All indications are Stroud is on his way out, although why he's not starting over Rodney is, I can't tell you. I'm hoping Rodney Redis (laughs) is just getting a few cameos (laughs) so they can sell him. Hey, this guy can stutter
0: step really well. I don't know. But he really can't. That was
1: was embarrassing. Ben Sweat's another (laughs) ex-player. We've got a lot of ex-players for Austin FC already after just one season. Y- but, Johan Romagna has made one substitute appearance this entire season. It's either his hamstring or his head well. I love the guy. He's he
0: brings a positive nature. He's always he's just like Maxi Ruti, always wearing a smile, mm-hmm. walking in, walking out, win or loss. He's always c- congratulating the fans and everything. I think he's a good guy in the locker room. Absolutely. Yeah. And he kind of came over. He was he was one of those question marks that came over from uh, Rodney Redis, his team, and Cecily yeah. was down there playing too. Yeah. And down in Paraguay. Right. And he was—he was one of those. Guys, he actually played really well when he, he was down there at that. And, and Rodney Redis actually right. used to run all the way to the length of the field and put crosses in. Where, right. I mean, those guys played well down there. And they came over to MLS and it was a little different. But a lot of people talk about that. A lot of the English players that come over, like the Gerrards and stuff, they come over. Like MLS is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. It's the travel. It's the schedule. It's playing in 90, 95, 100 degree weather. Not playing in no 65, 70, 80. Exactly. There's humidity. MLS has got so many different variables. You've got midweek games slashed in there. Wednesday? Well, that's going to change, right? Isn't that going to change with the new Apple TV contract?
1: Well, that's the question. I think they're still going to have Wednesday games, but I may be wrong. They're not going to do Sunday games. Just they're Saturdays. only going to be Saturdays. That's only for MLS. What right. about the League's Cup? they got to fit League's Cup in here somewhere,
0: right? They apparently do, sure. You got to do least cup. You got to do open cup. <laughs> right. You got to have Konka champions. Konka champions oh, and everything. You got to fit them in somewhere. I yeah. think you're, you still have the same amount, probably more games, right? More days, but just MLS, i I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. You look at Germany... I don't Liga, know how I feel about that either. You look at the German Bundesliga, and I follow Stuttgart, which I'm very happy to announce that Stuttgart's coming <laughs> one day before the World Cup. This is in October. Two, this is this. sorry. This is this is all the way in November. One day before the World Cup starts, Stuttgart's going to play Cologne. And this is this is because the World Cup's in, not in the summer. It's right. in the winter. Right. So all the European leagues who are usually going on, some take a t- tiny little winter break. Mostly just go through Christmas and, and the New Year. Right. Germany, hey, what are we going to do? So Stuttgart's coming over. I'm a huge Stuttgart fan, by the way. I'm from a small town called Stuttgart. We say Stuttgart. <laughs> um, Oak Army, those guys down there, they're big Stuttgart fans. There's lots of German... Following here, yeah. there's a huge amount of Bayern Munich fans in Austin that would meet at, at Schultz's. And there's Dallas all over, there's huge yeah. amounts of German German contingents.
1: Absolutely. The fact that they're coming here and Stuttgart Cologne are playing here at Q2 Stadium is going to be amazing. I'm actually excited for that game. I'm excited to see Cologne, so I'm, I want to see that matchup. Yeah. and I think this is going to be great for Austin, great for Q2, and I'm really looking forward to that game. Austin has had some awesome friendly games. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I, I'm not a big friend a fan of the friendly game when it's your, when it's your team. In your mid-season of MLS, why throw on those guys? Okay, okay, maybe you can throw on a few like Scrubs, but but you're also putting too many minutes into guys like Diego Fagundes or whatever, exactly. and, and, and and their legs are heavy already because they're playing 90 minutes so every you're, single game. Midweek, so you're talking like the Austin Tigres game or uh, <laughs> exactly Austin Tigres. I love the Tigres. There's a huge amount of Tigres fans here too. Yeah, um, and and they've they've been good. They've, they've come up and played at Round Rock in years past and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I love that that fandom and. Liga MX East influence leads into Texas. I love that. Mm-hmm. But ah, uh, it just puts <laughs> so much stress on your team because yeah. you're thinking as a fan,
1: oh shoot, these guys have to play by, in, in four or five days. By the way, trivia. Okay. The Austin Tigres friendly was the debut in the first minutes for one Owen Wolf. Owen Wolf. Okay. <laughs>
0: You were talking about, we haven't really talked to Austin FC. There's been a lot of things that have surprised me this season. Okay. Owen Wolf is one of those. Owen Positive wolf. or negative? Positive. Okay. Positive. <laughs> He's got an older brother, Tyler, who yeah. plays in Atlanta. I, and, and, and for all intents and purposes, I thought he was maybe going to be that Wolf that maybe goes, he plays pro and, and does does well. Uh, John Harkes' son plays pretty good. He played in Scotland for a while. Yeah. Uh, Claudio Reyna's son. Gio, obviously, uh, amazing obviously, player. Yeah. He can swim through Mexicans. Midfield and defense. Yes. Uh, he's got the injury problems. Hopefully he makes the World Cup squad. And then you got Josh Wolf. He's, he's got kids coming up. Greg Berhalter's son had played for us. Also another ex-player for Austin yes. FC, <laughs> Sebastian Berhalter. Sebastian. Shout out to Sebastian. Uh, he was he was he was a good locker room guy. He hung out with everyone. You'd see him at the Domain all the time with Nick Lima and G. T. and everybody. But yeah, Owen Wolf brings a bit of professionality. He's a technical player. He's made awesome tackles that have become goals. He's got assists. He's run the post a
1: couple times. I really want to see number 33 <laughs> get a goal before the end of the season. Well, here's here's what I need to say. I never want to be overly critical of a 17-year-old, right? I have a really, 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 really hard time being impartial about Owen Wolf because he's playing for his father. And that has always been a thorn in my side and kind of a you just don't do that there's there's a level of nepotism there that if he were playing for another club I would be cheering him on but you can never say whenever Owen Wolf goes into a game is that really the best thing or is that because it's the coach's son and that's always been my problem with that now I don't want to criticize his play I think he's a perfectly fine 17 year old playing out of position on an MLS team that said, I I disagree. I mean, he's had some good moments, but he's also been a liability on the field many, many times. I think back to that San Jose game, he was, if I'm being totally candid and totally impartial, he was just not good against San Jose. You're not wrong. Here's the stats. Owen Wolf
0: Fouls conceded, 17. Fouls won, 14. Yellow card. This is all in... 18 games played, which is very respectable for his age, sure, right? Absolutely. And maybe a little... I, I was on the nepotism train early on. But, but that, that's
1: kind of the point. Did
0: he deserve 18 games played? This is 752 minutes.
1: Well... There's a he, lot more than... Would you
0: rather have Rodney Redis out there?
1: No, but I'd rather have, <laughs> take your pick, Jared Stroud or Gallagher or uh, Caruso at this point or any of the other options we have. What I'm more surprised about is the nine starts. When he started
0: his first game, I was like, oh, right, he's getting a start. Exactly. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me,
1: you're not wrong in the defense. That's where he's the liability. He's but a little... that's, that's a product of his age, right? 30... 17-year-olds yeah. can't defend as well as older players at that level because they don't have the experience. He only has defense a is more based on experience. 36% success rate on blocks, clearances, 60,
0: yeah, yeah interceptions, 17%. But his influence is in the attack. an 85% Correct. success rate on passes,
1: 60% long passes. Yeah. Um he's a perfectly fine attacking player. Absolutely. He's got some. And I will reiterate, he's also playing out of position. But that's kind of my point. That's true. Sometimes he can, I think he can slide in pretty good aside of ring. Sometimes he
0: plays in the wing. Uh, You you got a guy like Owen Wolf. He's learning how to be a little bit tough out there being next to some of those guys. Sure, absolutely. Because to me, the turning point was when he started getting a little bit of accolades from his teammates. When he's ripping his shirt off in the locker room, because that's happened a few times this season where Austin FC's had this post game locker room shot where everybody's. Uh, you know, celebrated, the, you know, got the shirts off and everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. This, this is
1: usually in the opposing locker room in yeah. the away team. And we're most right in there with these guys. I understand that. But as a Austin FC player, are you going to be the one to dare to not give accolades to the coach's sons? Oh... Ooh. And no, that's, no. that's what's always going to hang over. I don't think it's doing any favors to Owen Wolf Listen. to have him in that situation. Listen, this is a guy who's playing for the United States
0: under 20, under 20s, or under 19s, maybe,
1: who never played for the United States <laughs> under, under 19s 17s or, uh... or under 17s Very well. until he started well. for Austin
0: FC. Hey, <laughs> but he's still better than Rodriguez. Oh, absolutely. You you mentioned him earlier. Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned him earlier. This is another big surprise to me. Maybe not to you. John Gallagher.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. He was
0: the first guy to score
1: for Austin FC. No surprise to me. I think you said you were shocked by it. I'm not shocked at all. I'm shocked. I'm I'm shocked because he goes from the
0: guy that scored the first goal in the stadium to the guy who's uh, now playing uh, in the the defense, and he's faster
1: than almost everybody in the defense. Right, but he was historically, initially, back in college – a, a left back that's not why he was brought in they converted him in Atlanta he played some in Atlanta at left back and they converted him to forward where he really played forward was in uh, Scotland Ireland <laughs> he's Scottish he's Scottish I think it's think played at Hearts uh, So I'm trying to remember where we got him from but um, but he's got that history at left back and he's fast and I like that in my outside backs that speed is really really helpful so I'm not at all surprised that he was so um, efficient when he converted to left back I thought that was a really good move do you, it's is the efficiency in
0: putting the fires out or is it in in Wolf's system to be able to advance the ball up and put the crosses in. Because you see a guy like Nick Lima, right, he started out pretty good this season. I didn't like Nick Lima last season. He's a guy who played in Gold Cups before and was like kinda like a like a B squad player for USA. Right. And he, it, this season he's coming he's, he's a defensive Paul Ariola. Oh okay. 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 <laughs> but, but he's coming early in the season he, he put a lot of crosses, he got some assists. He's you know he's
1: kinda he's kinda hit or miss, you know? Absolutely. I think but on John Gallagher, I think it's both. I think he I think that's the advantage of having him on the wing and a four back is that on that left back is that he is equally as good in putting out those fires because he can catch those forwards. He can track back with them, and he can defend. But he's also just as good getting into the attack. So I think that's why he's been very effective for Austin FC. He's more attack-minded, I would think, than Komani. But um, I think he's been arguably our best... Outside back, he's a hard worker. I think he <laughs> works harder
0: than than Komanic. Yes. is clean on the ball. He's savvy, and and, and a guy like Gallagher, he's a he's just yeah he's he's got the Scottish grit.
1: But I mean, if you're comparing him, you're doing Gallagher versus Komanic versus Lima versus we haven't seen Jimenez. Jimenez. We haven't seen Jimenez in a long time. I, if I'm looking at those four, Gallagher's the best of the group, right? Jimenez has scored just as many goals as Gallagher. Well, but for me, an outside back is not your goal scorer. <laughs> I mean, that's not the point of an good. outside back. Out, you want the, you In Josh Wolf's system, you want them to help with the attack, but the point is not for them to score goals. Hector Jimenez is, is more of an attacking outside back. He is a defensive liability. It's kind of the same thing I say about Wolf. We have a lot of players, I will say. A lot of players. Who help on the attack, but their defensive liabilities, which I think you're seeing in 12 goals against in the last four games, right? And I mean, I will add Cascante into that mix as somebody who Josh Wolf says helps in the attack. He scores headers. He scores headers. <laughs> he actually starts a lot of our attacks from the back with his passing and, and things like that, but he makes these mistakes in the back, which are. And for me, I prefer somebody in a, in a defensive role who is not going to make those mistakes. And if I look at the entire back line, uh, Gabrielson makes fewer mistakes than Visconti at center back, and Gallagher is the one who makes the least mistakes in the defense on the outside back. That is a very interesting observation. Before we get to that, because really... Gabrielsson
0: has been another player who's really surprised me this season too. Hmm. I'll, I'll correct myself on Gallagher, it wasn't Hearts, it was Aberdeen. Aberdeen, Aberdeen. that's right, yes. And this is Aberdeen. very interesting because a friend of mine, <laughs> when they went in for their physicals yeah. last season, uh, they, they, he came in with a Scottish accent, and my friend said, Hail, Hail, and he was like, oh, no, 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 no that Celtic stuff. And this is a big shout-out to Matthew Gray, old, old school Austin soccer fan. Yeah, Everly's Army. Everly's Army. Everly's Army. Uh, they still, we still watch Celtic games down at the old Fado, which is now <laughs> called the pub on Fourth Street. Y'all come on in. It used to be just a hub of Austin soccer. Everybody that was that watched soccer would watch at the old Fado. And the pub is back open. They have a patio. It's beautiful. They have all the TVs you could ever ask for. The TVs are huge. Um, Luke, shout out to Luke. He opens it up at 6:30 for all these games, for Premier League games, for the Celtic games. Uh, but that also reminds me of a Rodney Reyes quip Uh-oh. because at the <laughs> at, at this same physical, Rodney Reyes comes in. He had, he had never tried a donut before. <laughs> this is how culturally insensitive or, or just different environment that Rodney Reyes was being plucked out of. I feel bad that everybody's piling on Rodney Reyes. He grew but, up on a farm yeah. in Paraguay and I he know. comes into MLS to America. Yeah. And all the glitz and glamour. At 20 years old. At 20 years old. And his, I think his mom moved over here for a long stand of time, too. So he's oh, his yeah. mom kind of dragging him down. He's trying to go out and be a ladies' man or guy. Well, you, know, go, you know, go out and have some fun. Go out on the lake with the boys. Yeah. And... He just never really fit in or he or he fit in the wrong way because you do get mixed in with some of the guys MLS that have on the big salaries they're wearing the Dior they're wearing the Louis Vuitton and you're trying to mix in with those guys and you're in like a minimum salary you kind of get mixed up I don't know I don't think Rodney Wright has ever found his place but I'm glad that Gallagher has and he's found it in defense and I'm glad a guy like Gabriel Sun has come over and he's played all the world and he's coming here to Austin. Yeah. I thought maybe he was just coming, he was gonna come over and try to like just like maybe maybe just paper over a few of the mistakes that we've had in the back. But no, he I thought he's I think he brings a level of professionalism and he's loud. He always has his mouth open. He's always talking to everybody. Yeah. He's a big guy, and so for a big guy, sometimes you see a big guy you used to be the biggest defender out there in the <laughs> on the field. Sometimes you see those big guys and they don't move that fast. That was me. Yes, I did not move that fast. Gabrielson can somehow get around and he he scored a header early on the season i was like okay this is gonna be like this he has made a couple of blunders
1: sure but who hasn't on a team oh and you mentioned Cascante already
0: well he doesn't check his shoulder in the last we talk about uh,
1: that because it gets into my wolf discussion okay the the reasons i don't really like wolf as a coach sometimes is i don't know if you've seen the interview post-game after the 2-1 defeat of Austin FC by Minnesota United, where we literally gifted both goals. Um, I will start out by saying Finley has given away two penalty kicks in uh, the last two games that were both just god-awful. There's no excuse for either one of those. He's been bad. What's, what's he doing defending at the top of the box right, anyway? exactly. From behind? No. just Just Finley, stay out of the box. Just stay out of the box. The second goal yesterday was an absolute blunder by Cascante. I don't know how else you can say it. It's, there's no excuse for that from a defender to let an attacking player come pressure you and take the ball literally off your feet and then chip your goal.
0: For some reason, a lot of people blame Stuber for that.
1: And Stuber's a guy no, who... I've, re- I've re-watched that several times. Stuber, I'm not the world's biggest Stuber fan. He had nothing... To do with that goal. Stu- Nothing to do. Stuber there was ha- nobody near Cascante when he got that pass. Stuber has let in
0: like a, a sure. 40, 50 yard goal this season. Absolutely. And last season, he did the same. When, when they were playing sure. out of the back, he'd pass it out and they scored on it. It's happened multiple times last sure. year. It's happened. This is one of my surprises. But, but who's telling him to play out of the back? It's oh, just Cole. Yeah. That's is, the system, right? One of my surprises is that that's happened less this season. The yeah. fact that it happens this, this game, this late in the season, is a little worrying to me yes. that they're playing so lazily out of the back. Right. Honestly, that to me, that's another Finley mistake. Not, it's definitely not Stuber, <laughs> and we don't even need to talk about Tarbell because Tarbell wouldn't have done anything better in that situation. Right, I'd rather see uh, third-string Demian Loss in if if Stuber ever gets hurt or has yeah. COVID again. I'd rather I'm with, see I'm with you there.
1: I've seen enough of Tarbell. I've seen enough
0: to see. know I've seen enough of Tarbell. Sure. To me, the guy that's coming over to pressure from the wing to Cascante, Finley, he's standing right beside Finley. Finley's got to be screaming bloody murder to Cascante. Because Cascante doesn't lift his head up once. Right. Finley's quiet. He must but be a quiet But you can't milk. not lift your head up once. I mean, to me, that's all on Cascante. A little bit on Finley, though. He's got to communicate that. It's loud. Sure. It's loud. Well, Stuber could communicate
1: that, too. That's true. That's I true. mean, true. anybody and everybody could be communicating that. But his first touch is like, okay, well, i got time to play it out. He did not have time to play it out. Right. Exactly. And my point is, they interviewed Wolf after the game. And I'm going to shout out to uh, Club Deportes right now, and I don't know if it was probably Jorge Itarralde who put this out on Twitter or something like that, but they interviewed and it was one of their questions to Josh Wolf about, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was basically about the goal that Cascante gave up in the moment and the mistakes like that that he's made throughout the last two seasons. And Josh Wolf's response was that Cascante had absolutely nothing to do with that goal. Whoa, that's a bold statement. Right. And that he had no idea what mistakes they were asking him about that Cascante might have made. So Club Deportes actually put together a clip show. <laughs> of the Cascante defensive blunders leading to goals against throughout this year, this season. And there are many. It came out, they did a stats. Cascante is the defender who has had a contribution in more goals against than any defender in MLS this season. So to say that you don't know what mistakes they're talking about and then he had nothing to do with the goal that was let in against Minnesota FC is just infuriating because it's divorced from reality. That's not reality. Like, last week he basically said, Cascante helps so much in the attack in my system that we'll live with the occasional mistake in the defense, right? That's at least okay. That's at least logical. I can follow i may disagree with that but there's at least some logic to that to say he had nothing to do with that second goal against us and that he i don't know what mistakes you're talking about i don't see any mistakes that's just that's just out of i don't know the multiverse somewhere i don't know what he's talking about when he gives that type of answer in an interview josh wolf has been really snippy in to chris bills
0: sure recently yeah I don't know what the attitude is. I don't think he's getting that much pressure. He's in second place. Why does he have that much pressure? He should be be a man over the moon. Last season, Austin FC had the worst goal-scoring rate in the league. 35 goals. They've already scored 55 this season, 20 more than they've scored last season. Right, but have you looked
1: at goals against? (laughs) <laughs>
0: do, does he want to even, that's obviously, he doesn't even want to focus on that because his solution is right. offense. Correct. Maybe the defense is still doing just his goal as goal bad is as we'll let it
1: We'll give up two or three goals a game and we'll score four or five. That's kind of the style and the mentality that Joshua Wolfe is bringing to the team. But I don't, you can see that in the signings. Who did they sign? Corroso, Rigoni. That was not our biggest need, I hate to say it. I really think Orozco's got a
0: bicycle kick in him. (laughs) Ah, he's got a bicycle kick, bicycle assist already. So I want to see that happen. I want to see more of him. I'm really excited to see what Rigoni is going to do because he played at Zenit St. Petersburg with Driussi, and they're both Argentines. He's going to jump on the couch and drink a little mate with those guys. I think he's going to mesh in, be a part of that chemistry with the team. The fact that he's coming in so late is a little worrying. Still eight games to go. Yeah. So I think they got a chance. I think Austin FC have a lot to
1: build on. Anything else that really surprised you from that last season to this season? Well, what I think surprised you when we were chatting before the podcast, but didn't surprise me at all, was Driussi being MVP caliber. (sighs) I totally predicted, I think, if people go back and listen to this podcast over the last two years, once we got Driussi and once I saw him play a couple times, I was like, this guy is either going to be MPP in the second season or he's going to be in the conversation. He's going to be top two or three in the league. It was so frustrating for me because the first game you throw him in was the Dallas away game.
0: Right. The, where you rotate everybody else and you throw Giussi on out there and he's just like, what do I do? He, he, he literally kind of had that shoulder shrug like, what is going on here? I'm really playing with these guys. But yeah. you saw him turn it on. You saw him score some amazing goals and this season, mm-hmm. sitting on top of the golden boot race. Yep. Yeah. He's out there in the MLS All-Star game where the MLS All-Stars take down the Liga MX guys again. <laughs> I don't know. And he's still out there scoring goals. He's, they give him the penalties. Yeah. He's, he's he's out there doing Rabona passes to Diego Fagundes every other game.
1: Well, and that's kind of the one of the problems I have with the attack. Yes, we've been scoring a lot of goals, <laughs> Austin FC being us. One of the problems I seem to have is that at times... We seem to have a philosophy of let's give it to Driussi and see if he can make some magic happen. But he does that. He
0: posts himself right. in a very good position. He's always seems to be open. And his first touch is... Right, it's his work off the ball that's so incredible. His head's always up when he receives the ball. He yep. knows who the people are. If you got good people running off of him, Ring can make runs in the box. He scored more headers at Austin FC than he has in the whole course of his life. He's also got more red cards than he's ever gotten in the whole course of his whole career too. So yeah. Ring's been a very enigmatic figure. Yeah, I'm but, lukewarm on Ring this season. But you, who else has run off? Her? I think Ring and Diego have played Diego really well.
1: Diego
0: Yeah. Diego's a workhorse, yeah. and I think he works the ring, uh, the wings
1: so well. I think he does well with Ruti. I think Maxi and and Giussi. Combine really well. And Maxie's been a guy who we've seen throw
0: his body at the ball and score yeah. some awesome goals this season. Sure. And and, and and he scored he's he's, he's sc- scored winning goals for us. Yeah. But we've been you mentioned this on the podcast before, like the question mark of some of the other strikers, like like Holson, you know he was out with a big hip last season, he's come in, he's scored a couple of goals as a sub. But GTA gta has been like a he's a
1: target man, but that's not the style. Well, and that's been the problem. I really, really, really like Musajite as a player. I really do. I'm impressed with him every time he goes in with maybe one exception this season. He had one bad game where he got the start. Um, but as a sub, I think he's been dangerous every time they put him on. He just doesn't quite gel with what Josh Wolf wants him to do. He's not as mobile. I think Hosen is better, a better fit with what Josh Wolf is trying to do, but it's also been what I was saying about Maxi Urruti, is that you put him in, we're basically playing a lone striker. I know sometimes they say we have three forwards. We really don't. We really have a lone striker, and it's Maxi Urruti, and Urruti is running all over the field. We get the ball, we try to go forward, he's not there, right? If you're going to play that one striker system, I like my striker to be... (laughs) in that spot where you can get the ball, right? And Maxi doesn't do that. You look at the last home game,
0: and they kept trying to take the ball from the left and cross it in and over to the right side of the box, and no one was there at all. They did it about four or five times in the first half, and it just was not working. No one was there. Right.
1: And that's the defect of Maxi Urruti, along with the best and the worst quality of Maxi Urruti is they'll shoot from anywhere at any time, right? Right. which is great when it works and is just god awful when it doesn't. So that's kind of the problem with Maxi is that he's literally, he'll run all day long, he'll be all over the field, he'll be anywhere and everywhere at any given moment. But is that really what you want when you're playing a one striker system? And that's, I don't know, jury's still out. I mean, people say, but well, look at the goals we scored. I can't really argue with that, right? We have a good attack, so I'm not gonna argue too much on that point. I'm going to argue with the defense. I think our defense is still really bad. I don't think it's any better than last year. The guys at MLS love Austin FC this season. They've been
0: featured on the Extra Time podcast. People are finally talking about Austin FC. Yeah. They didn't get a whole lot of buzz last season. And right. even even though, and, and, and I've told you this before, Austin FC have, to me, and I, I've been to most of the stadia, and most of the cities in MLS, and I've seen the cultures. I appreciate some of the cultures. Some of them? Are just carbon copies of like what American Outlaws does, and they got the same old retreads of songs and stuff. Right. Some of them do it right. And what I really appreciate about Austin FC, La Murga, and the supporters groups, Los Verdes, Austin Anthem, of Army, Fighting Leslies, you name it, they're there, they show up. But they sing 90 minutes. Yes. And that brings the culture. I think last season, the players didn't really expect that. And Driussi himself has said, wow, this is like being in Argentina. Right. Like they're they're really throwing it out there. Yeah. And you've got Pepas is one of the, my favorite songs this season. <laughs> uh, you're throwing beer and water and every every liquid into the air. I've heard weird things get thrown sometimes. that probably shouldn't get thrown ever at a soccer game, unless you're like in Mexico. But you've got that building into this season. The players. Right know that out the bat. They're they, they are playing not just for themselves, because you see a different level of chemistry on the field, yeah. but they're also playing for the fans. And it's getting noticed. This is a quote from MLS Power Rankings. They okay. put Austin FC up to the top. And this is the quote. That's in a unanimous first place for Sebastian Driussi, and for good reason. He leads the league in total goal contributions on the season uh, more than any other next players. He's your current 2022 MLS Golden Boot. Presented by Audi. Of course, you got throw in there. Um, <clears throat> Austin FC have been the best story of 2022, and Drew C has led the way. Sometimes that's all you need for MVP votes. In this case, he just also happens to be the most productive player in that MLS. So you talk about offense. Yeah. Drew C doesn't play a whole lot of defense. Right. It's, it's the guys behind him that are like stopping it up, giving him the ball, but he's in these positions that he's opened up, and, he, and he's finding these passes, he's finding these options. He's even had plays where he's he's swimming around two or three and he takes the shot, and he's putting it in. But but also guys that are defensive. You look like uh, you look at some of the other players, ring scoring goals. What about this goal that's hanging in the Louvre? <laughs> what about that? What about that? This kid who's coming over from Virginia Tech. This kid, Pereira, Danny Pereira from Venezuela, he's scoring worldies. They're hanging in the Louvre. It's so awesome to see him put his foot on a ball. It has a chance every time.
1: Yeah. Now, Danny's form has dipped a little bit recently, but he's been a great player for us this season. I can't about anything. My only that. gripe on him is some of the, his timing
0: on the yellow cards. Yeah. He's coming from behind players and he's pulling down. Yeah, actually, I saw that in the last game. He was behind and he ran in a straight line back to the goal to get in front of the player before trying to like pull his shirt, <laughs> yeah. nick him on the back of the cleat or whatever. Right. So I think he's learned because you get so many yellow cards, you got to get suspension and he's had some red cards too. So, you know, as long as he works on the cautions side of things, I think Pereira's going to be a great player. I mean, yeah, he, He's blossomed so much for right. MLS. Right. Not a lot of guys pan out from the college ranks. Right. And he's one of those guys. First and, super draft pick. And he's one of the guys who, who comes in. You're, you look at the roster, comes out an hour before the game. Boom. is yeah. in there. All right. I'm cool with that.
1: He's been a surprise for me this season. Well, we're running short on time here today Josh so right. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk just a few minutes of uh, SAFC because Let's do it San Antonio th- Harry this is for you we're going to talk some San Antonio FC this is for Harry I've watched a few games
0: of San Antonio FC it is so hard just y'all mentioned this on the Jersey podcast one time it's so <laughs> hard to see the jerseys like who yes. who's scoring the goals right what's the numbers Who's the sponsor? It's... it's, it's uh, uh, I, don't, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But they play well. They play well. And, and the way they play, a goal can be scored at
1: any time. Yes. 96-minute, a goal can still be scored. And they are defensively sound. They don't normally give away stupid gift goals like we see in Austin FC sometimes. Tony Cardoni, he's
0: president of Anthem. His brother... Matt Cardoni. ...has retired... <laughs> Yes, and so who's his replacement? Is, is he is he good? Is, is the goalkeeping situation. He seems a lot smaller and a lot less bearded than Cardone. <laughs> right.
1: right. So it's and a little they, different. And they had Dane Sinclair for a while last season,
0: who to me got, is a great. It's it was Canadian
1: number two now, an MLS player. Yeah. So, but I think um, to me their defense is anchored by former Austin Bold, Fabian Garcia. I mean. Okay. I think he is hes a player I'm surprised has never gotten a look at MLS because when he was with Austin Bold and now when he's at San Antonio, I think he's performed really, really well with San Antonio. And I think they're tops in USL right now. They've got the inside track on home field advantage and top seed in the playoffs. I'm excited to see what they do going forward. They had a great, great tying goal yesterday against rgb in the fourth minute of stoppage time wow to tie up that game so they've got some of that grit and fight in them so i think that was uh mitch uh tainer who scored the tying
0: goal so san antonio is sitting pretty high yeah they're pretty high they're number one San Antonio, or excuse, San Antonio's got 57 points. San Diego Loyal on 52. Right. And you got Colorado Springs, who's usually, usually a pretty good team, 45. New Mexico, has got 42. And in the other, in the Eastern Conference, Louisville City's leading 55. Memphis 901. Tampa Bay Rowdy, round. they're up there too. Yeah, San Antonio's sitting pretty good. And you look at the matches they got last. Like, it looks like they've got nine. Yeah. Uh, they've got to play Indy Eleven, Oakland Roots. San Diego Loyal, New Mexico, Colorado Springs. So some of, the, some of these teams are still pretty good. Sac Republic, Pittsburgh River Hounds, Birmingham Legion, and Orange County. Uh, Sac Republic. We mentioned Sac Republic a little bit. They are oh, going to yeah. be playing in... U.S. Open Cup Final. Oh, U.S. Open Cup Final, which is going to be September 7th versus Orlando... Aztecs? What is it called? The Aztecs, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no. They're, they're Orlando City, I assume. So. Orlando City. Old yes. Austin joke there. Who, who you got there? Man, it's... To see it, uh, you know, I just love the story of having a USL team. Has it hasn't happened since the Rhinos, Rochester right. Rhinos? Rochester man. Rhinos are the last one. Wow, and like that's like the dream of a, like a USL team to go up and, and, and beat an MLS team, right? Because just yeah. the way it's set up, there's there's no real promotion relegation in this country. Right. And uh, could there be? Absolutely. But there's a Concacaf Champions League berth on Yes. That would be so awesome, right? To have Sac Republic in that position. And uh, honestly, Orlando's been a good team in the playoffs. They get to the playoffs with guys like Nani, and they got the yeah. Pato now. He's not really playing very much, but like Orlando's,
1: I love Pareja. Right. They've got Oscar Pareja, and so I've gotta got to give them the advantage in any important game. I so, think he gets the team up for these big the ball, games, and I think they'll take, think the ball, as demonstrated by them being in the U.S. Open Cup final, right? Back, man, yeah. Play They've play really, if I, if I. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they either win or get to the final of the MLS's back tournament last yes, year? Yes, exactly. Well, it was, I guess, the year before, right?
0: Um, the COVID year. Yeah. MLS's COVID. back tournament. Yes, they they were spanking opponents. They
1: they came out they came out so tough. They're like they're ready to play. But now, I think they're going to be a team kind of like Seattle. That if I'm in the East, I wouldn't want to come up against Orlando in the playoffs because I think Oscar Pereja. Gets that team ready for these big
0: games. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say advantage Orlando in that game because I think they've been spurned uh, in the playoffs so many times or, or trying to get to those big games yeah. and they they're like on the precipice of just just tasting it. Yeah, and they, they want this. They want this. And the U.S. Open Cup, it's not anything huge, but it's like the FA Cup. And you know very well the Lobos have played and I've kind of cameoed with the Lobos before and playing yeah. in the qualifying stages of US Open Cup is an honor in itself. Yeah. And to like be able to like work your way up those levels is not easy because you start right. you start a good year out from when the finals are, are
1: occurring. Absolutely. U.S. Open Cup qualifying, for those that don't know, starts right now in September for next year. Yeah. It's so. it's it's and
0: the amount of teams that enter into this tournament are in the hundreds. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got like uh, even in England, you know, I think it's only like maybe the first four tiers in England that actually participate in it. It's not, it's, it's not even the non-professional teams that play in it. Right. Uh, a country like France, all the non-pro teams play in it, and just like United States, yeah, you have you have a lot of non-pro teams, teams that are local here that, qual- that try to qualify for this tournament. And how cool is that to have a USL team, Sac Republic, that goes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I wish them well. I just, if I had to pick, I'm going to pick Orlando. But to bring it back to San Antonio FC, I think you had a comment on the Texas Copa Texas. Oh, the Copa Texas. yeah.
0: So not only are San Antonio sitting high in the table, just <laughs> like Austin FC, they're both sitting high in their respective league tables. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to throw too much shade at Harry. I know he's a huge <laughs> fan, and he doesn't like yeah. MLS so much. Uh, th- I think he made the comment maybe uh, after Austin FC were downed using Tarbell as their goalkeeper potentially uh, yeah. in a US Open Cup game down in San Antonio. A wonderful game. Uh, props. Round of applause to San Antonio. Yeah, that's always been the big thing, the Queso Bowl. San Antonio versus Austin, even back in the Aztec days. Absolutely. This, this is a taco rivalry. I love it. I love San Antonio. San Antonio has a big soccer, youth soccer yeah. culture, too. They're putting out lots of players. And really, I love everything that San Antonio does. And the San Antonio Spurs basketball, they're coming up to play at the Moody Center. Like, I like doing things back and forth. To me, a lot of that rivalry back in the whole MLS to ATX, MLS to San Antonio days, a lot of it went down to San Antonio's proposal. Right. It, it, it wasn't, to me, like a big league proposal. They tried to use Austin... As, like, a pivot point. Like, oh, yeah, Austin's right here. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, you just try to focus on San Antonio. Yeah. I would love to have a tenant. I would love to go watch. I love watching, like, Mexico play at Alamodome. Um, no, I don't, because I don't like Alamodome. Uh, I mean, it's a like a concrete <laughs>
1: <laughs> That is just a Castle. Bad,
0: bad stadium to watch a game in. Uh, it's kind of archaic. But <laughs> if, if they had a full-time tenant, I guess XFL is going to be there now. The, the, I, was, I was just about to go to a Commander's game when the old... There was some, like, second division football, American football, gridiron football. Yeah. And then they just... It went bankrupt. And that weekend, I was about to go watch. And I got my money back, roughly. I mean, yeah. They had a Canadian football team for, like, six months at one point. I did not know this. <laughs> I know. No, no. San Antonio's got lots of soccer culture history. Yeah. Pele's gone down there and played. Uh, the whole red, white, and blue of the old school NASL. I, I really do appreciate... What San Antonio has done for soccer in America in the past. Yeah. But when a guy like Harry says, San Antonio is better than Austin, I'm gonna have to fight him on that. I don't know, I don't know. There's just a false equivalency to me. They're both, they're well, both, they're both, second, cu- listen, they're both Cup champions, <laughs> USL Cup, and we got the MLS Cup. They're both Copa Tejas champions.
1: I'm, I'm going to defend Harry a little bit by saying, is that really what he said? Or did he say uh, they're the real Copa Tejas champions? I don't know.
0: I, I think you really need to have a game on its
1: own. Well, I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> Maybe you'll have a preseason game next year. That—that That is the point. They had yeah. a real game. It was the U.S. Open qualifying game, and San Antonio won that game.
0: But it had nothing to do with... The the Copa Tejas, right? That was a separate tournament. Okay, so here, here, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. That's like saying the United States is just as good as France, who won the World Cup in 2018 in Russia. Because the United States, with Will Trapp on the field, played France in a... USA was already buried. They already fired Bruce Arena, everybody. Dave Serekin was at the helm. They tied France in France on French soil. I remember that game. One one, I want to say. Yes, it was. That's like saying USA is as good as France who won the World Cup, right? I mean, that,
1: that, that's that's me. That's me. That's me. No, it's not. It would be like saying if <laughs> France and the United States both won their okay. respective Confederation Cups, and then you the United States had beaten France in that friendly game, then, yeah, that okay. would be the equivalent. Okay. And that's not what happened. I and mean, France still had the World Cup. This is the World Cup squad that was
0: there for that. They were warming up for the World Cup. USA was just helping them. I don't know. I don't know. I think you need a game. I think you need a separate game. <laughs> I,
1: would so love, awesome. I would
0: love a separate game. That would be so awesome to have a Copa Tejas versus Copa I would Copa-Téas. love a separate game. You're going to have to call it something else now. Uh... Do you really? No, but okay. Let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, props to San Antonio; they won the couple. Of the, and it's so crazy because Austin won it in Frisco, yes. and they would. This is this is a precondition to the game. It had the result, and that's why Austin was celebrating a draw, which they've right. never won versus Frisco, versus FC right. Dallas, versus the Burn. They had to do it in the parking lot. They could not do it in the stadium. I saw that. that they could was not ridiculous. do it ridiculous. They could not do it with, with the hunt statue w- looking upon this. It had to be outside in the parking lot. That was absolutely ridiculous. Things got a little weird. Security <laughs> didn't know what was going on. They were not well
1: informed. Yeah. Uh, fans got a little crazy. The, the, the players went out. Security in FC Frisco is not well informed to begin with. But it's good times. I love it that it is not. Sorry, it is not good times. I went to that game last year in Frisco. Okay. Again, one of the reasons it was so easy to switch allegiances, going to see a game in that stadium with those people, that security, that apparatus running things, is just so painful. It's not fun. It's not fun to watch a game in that stadium. You don't like the drumline, the paid drumline. <laughs> what, 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 what is it? What, what is it that you don't like about? I don't like anything. You know, they took my flag from me, right? No. You couldn't bring flags into the stadium oh. that were not pre approved by the FC Dallas management. You can't. You had to submit a photograph no. to FC Dallas management of the flag beforehand to be able to take it into the stadium. It's idiot stuff like that. That is, okay, that's, that's, maybe that's not right? completely.
0: Dallas Frisco rules cuz that's happened in other stadiums where you bring in a where you bring in a flag that maybe says something this political and then they make you go take it down and
1: it's all a big ordeal in the stadium not. but mine did not <laughs> <laughs> I mean there that, was not, I mean yes if it's offensive I totally get that that <laughs> happened to Poyo Poyo is simply just a rubber
0: chicken who rah! A rubber chicken, and and, and 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 a guy named Trevor and Jesse, they bring this to, this goes to every game, home and away, it crosses borders, Canadian borders, and this was in DC of all places. Now, yeah, security in DC is crazy. Okay, you got that you got El Presidente hanging out in DC or whatever, but Pollo gets confiscated at security. It's never had a problem before. Put him, put him, put him through the X-rays. There's nothing in him. It's just a tr- right. They said he was a, uh, he was not in our list. I'm sorry. He's he's a, he's not a pre-approved uh, inflatable item. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There you go. And they took him away. Everybody, even the Austin FC staff, were like, No, I mean, you know, he's he's cool. He's like a mascot. Not until the 80th minute. Austin FC were already down two to zero. Poyo comes back about the 80th minute. Austin go on a run. The fans start going crazy because Poyo's back. Austin FC scored not one, uh, not two, but three goals to take the win in D.C. Yes. Thanks to Poyo. Yes. So it's things like that. Yeah. Right. People probably need to have a little bit more right. leeway on
1: making MLS fun. Just making it a little bit more fun. Yeah. that's soccer in Germany. So I'm going to post a picture of the flag that I tried to okay. take to that game. It was absolutely not offensive. It said DTIS. <laughs> um, and Dallas till, I, till I'm sold. Okay. You know, in Dallas, you can't cuss in the stadium either. That's one of the rules. Right. You can't cuss this, this is in kind the of what stadium. I went to the Dallas Stadium one time, and I something happened, and I jumped up to cheer for Dallas. This is before Austin FC existed, and I was told to sit down that I couldn't stand uh, excuse up. Excuse me, sir. Right,
0: exactly. Please sit down.
1: It, and that's kind of what I'm talking about.
0: Well, it's right? happened in Austin too. When you're on the, like the sides, and the people are used to just sitting the whole time, you do have some <laughs> you do have some people like that. So. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I sit in the supporter section wherever I go for USA games, for Austin FC games. I'm
1: 234. C- I love my section. Shout out to 234.
0: 234, baby. <laughs> well, any grassroots. Updates. Local soccer around Austin. What's going on? The Austin Men's Soccer Association is kicking off here in the second week of
1: September, September 11th to be precise, which is a strange day to kick off. It's my birthday weekend. Very strange day. Yeah. Very weird weekend to have a birthday to. It's just like weird, bitter sweetness because
0: the weather starts getting really good and then you got weird memories and stuff. The winners from last season, Austin Express. Mm -hmm. Props to those guys. Yeah. That's Rizik's team. Rizik helps. In so many ways around Austin, he he just did a seven v seven tournament in Georgetown. Yeah, absolutely. That's his team. He puts together a lot of good players around town. Um, And you
1: guys field a Lobos team in Austin Men's Soccer Association too, right? Right. So we intend and expect to be out there this season and and go through our fall season with with AMSA. When does your season kick off? Because you're still playing in the Gulf Coast. the Gulf Coast season ended, we were able to get to the quarterfinal round. Props. Uh, and ended up playing in Jackson, Mississippi. And boy, was that a trip.
0: I played in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh That's God. a fun place. Yeah, Capital that... of Mississippi right there. Go ring the bell while you're
1: downtown. <laughs> yeah, that was a 12-hour trip and 12 hours back. Oof. and way too expensive and way too long and way too difficult and I don't want to get into all the uh, problems we had in Jackson, Mississippi with with that game, but it was just a little bit too much to ask against a team like GAFA. GAFA ended up winning GCPL Championship, so they were the uh, 2022 champions for GCPL. So props to GAFA FC and a great job that they did the season and in the playoff run, they were just too much for us in that type of scenario. So, Gold Coast is a very hard, it's a, it's oh, a
0: grueling travel, especially yeah. for because Austin, Texas is on the very west
1: end of the whole right map pretty much. How far east do you have to go? Well, that's the furthest trip we've ever taken, yeah. So, that was a 12 hour drive. Our normal trips are about seven hours, so they're three. 60 to 400 mile it's a grueling trip trip. grueling trip yeah so i I really want to thank all of our players this season who stuck with it throughout the season um it was a really good experience i think we had a pretty good season we had some minor issues here and there but thanks to all the fans who came out and supported us at bob shelton stadium and it was just a really positive experience i think for us in making the playoffs for the first time Even if we had to end up traveling to Jackson, Mississippi, it was still a great experience. It's huge having these games live online that you can watch them on the home games, at least at Bob Shelton Stadium. That's been very enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And we had uh, the advantage of Ruben Pizarro, former Univision, the voice of the Texas Longhorns in Espanol, announcing our games this season. Rob Novak stepped in and helped with the English. Uh, Ian Menzak. I'd be remiss if I didn't thank him for all the production. He produced all the games for both the Syntax Lobos and CTX Hornets this season, so he does the video production. I don't have any announcements for 2023 yet. I'm still trying to recover from 2022 summer season. <laughs> we'll go through fall, and then hopefully we'll make decisions toward the end of the year, probably January, have some more announcements nice I've always appreciated what you do with the Lobos because
0: that is a team that puts together players that have the talent that don't always have the avenues right or, or the know-how of where to go to play and to have that outlet to play is amazing because you never know when a player is gonna peak a player might peak later after high school right and they might have a lot they're gonna have a full year to me I mean, I never went and played pro. I, mean, I played a little college ball here and there, and I've made men's soccer and co-ed and indoor kind of my, my forte, and I, I love watching soccer. And to keep soccer, to keep football as, like, your passion, you're, you show that every day, especially all the things you do, being a, a general manager,
1: doing the podcast, all the things you do on the side <laughs> for soccer, it's a labor of love. Yeah, absolutely, but, it, I mean, it's not a job when you love what you're doing, so... And I love all the guys with Lobos. I think we have a great team this year. I think the chemistry really clicked with a lot of the players and uh, Coach Samaroni. And I think things are set up for us to have a really exciting 2023. And I can't wait to bring some of the announcements that we're going to have coming up for next year.
0: There's always something to look forward to in soccer.
1: Yeah. Soccer is a year-round sport wherever you're at, whatever you're watching. And you know lower league soccer in texas especially is volatile year to year so uh we'll bring some of the chaos and we'll have some great announcements coming up soon i love bringing the community together i lobos is a great team to follow
0: especially you having the the new fields out here in east austin um i would love it i I went out there and helped you plant some of the grass out there absolutely yeah so just just having opportunities like that is amazing And, and everything around the city we have seen Austin turn into a soccer city. Yeah. Like before our eyes. Playoffs to look forward to. You got MLS Cup. You got the World Cup starting in November. We got Stuttgart coming. Stuttgart, my Stuttgart's coming e- in November. Any ATX United news? ATX United is my club, they're one of the bigger clubs. Celtic Cowboys is another big club. Yeah. Uh, it really did start out as two teams kind of merging together. This is like 19 years ago. And uh, we're doing tryouts right now and you know we're, we're getting ready for us, our, our our season. We've got teams in multiple divisions of Austin Men's Soccer Association. I just want to thank you for having me today. Oh, thank you for coming out. Huge this has been, cheers this has been great, and we can do it whenever you want to. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping it alive. Thanks for thanks for listening. Like
1: this is the beautiful game, That's Yeah. Enjoying. And thanks to our plethora of listeners, uh, I want to shout out to uh, TKR Law Group. They are a sponsor of the Syntex Lobos, and they help with our podcast as well. So for any of your immigration law needs, TKR Law Group here in Austin. Hablan Espanol. en Espanol. All right, thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. As always, enjoy your football. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Yes, cheers, baby. And we're back on track. We'll see everybody soon on Kicking Grass. All right, all right, all right. Kicking the Kicking now.